Thank you for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros. You are listening to Aftersight. This recording is intended solely for individuals who are blind or have low vision. Thank you for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros. This reading is for February 13th. I will be reading the following articles and more. OFM Gallery, Pearl Charles at Mission Ballroom by Alex Gallegos and The Community and Beauty of Sapphic Market by Bryn Pop and also All the Queer Fashion and Flamboyance at the 2024 San Francisco Ballet Opening Night Gala. Outfront Magazine Gallery, Pearl Charles at Mission Ballroom. Pearl Charles performed at Mission Ballroom alongside Michael Ralt. She was joined by Nude Party and Future Birds. OFM had the opportunity to capture their first tour stop on February 4th in Denver, Colorado. While performing, Pearl's first strum on the guitar lit up the venue as everyone was captivated by the electric energy on stage. The 60s and 70s country feel to her songs set up the perfect transition to the feel of the night. At age 18, Pearl joined a country duo, but by the age of 22, she also joined a rock band called The Blank Tapes as a drummer. In 2015, she released her first solo EP followed by two singles, and then came her first album, Sleepless Dreamer, in 2018. Her newest album, Magic Mirror, released in 2021. She had fans wanting for more and has released three new singles since then. Pearl Charles, The Nude Party, and The Future Birds all had the crowd filled with excitement and overall in love with the music that surrounded them. The Community and Beauty of Sapphic Market Queer LGBTQ plus affirming spaces are important now more than ever for our community to feel safe, connected, and surrounded by chosen family. For our fellow women-loving women who are seeking a space to celebrate your queerness, explore sapphic art and come together in community, look no further. OFM had the pleasure of interviewing Annie Marshall, the owner of Pink Pearl Denver, a permanent jewelry business. Additionally, Annie recently launched Sapphic Market, a vibrant hub designed to unite WLW artists, fostering community exploration and creativity in realms spanning from art to kink. What is Sapphic Market? Can you share the inspiration and how you came up with the idea? Well, I had been experiencing one of the hardest years of my life. I was in a really abusive relationship, and I left that relationship, and I had a lot of coming to terms with what are the lower parts of myself. You know, the recognition and that shadow of work, like the integration into your highest self and recognizing that the two are interchangeable. And you can't really achieve your highest self without going through that struggle. And as someone who's been through abuse, I was looking for ways to feel free, in a way to feel like I didn't want to die every day. To be honest, I was really depressed, and because I was living in a world that I had created that was a prison of my own mind, I started to venture into a couple of different mediums, and then I started to create chain art, which is where my company, Pink Pearl Denver, came from. 
I always really love the feeling of chain metal. I've always been kind of into BDSM but not in the traditional sense that most people think of. I'm really into the sapphic, soft part of it, so it's hard to advocate for that softer side because there's really no place for it right now. And I think a lot of us really identify within that realm of having this mysterious, sensual side to ourselves, but not wanting to wear a huge leather piece out in public necessarily, right? So that's where Pink Pearl comes in, and I do custom body chains, and those are specific because a lot of us, when we go into these stores, the chains are not made for your body size. It's a really great, empowering experience for you to know that this is made for you. It's going to last for your life. A lot of what I do is kind of more with sensory play as well. So I'm teaming up with Vanilla Kink, awakening and creating chains that are really high quality, and so it's something that's transitional from the bedroom to the boardroom. As an artist, I was going to all of these shows and occasionally seeing other artists that were queer and kind of a little bit edgy as well. I was like, okay, well, we don't have a venue that is specific to queer folks like us. There's not a lot of space right now for lesbians or women who love women love in Denver. So I came up with Sapphic Market, which is determined to create not only a life worth living, but a safe space for queer women and founded as a haven for WLW art blending the sophistication of a gallery with the comfort of a lounge. There's a huge majority of us who maybe are queer and have gone through the partying phase and still want community, connection, and sensuality. All of that excitement, but not necessarily in the club environment. So I created the market with that in mind and have partnered with Nurture, which is really fantastic because they are all-inclusive. It's specifically a really accessible facility, and it took a really long time to find something that was really fully accessible on both levels and gender-inclusive for all bathrooms. Those are like really strict criteria for myself, but all of the artists that I've chosen have so far really, really enjoyed the process. And it's more about how I can bring their light out to more than just Denver, right? I want to create a platform for not only local artists, but I'm bringing in international artists as well. How can you get involved with Sapphic Market for artists and attendees alike? Just come check it out and see for yourself. Sapphic Market convenes every other month with the next event happening on March 9th at Nurture. The venue prioritizes a welcoming atmosphere, well-being practitioners, beautiful co-working space, nourishing food and diverse beverages, including non-alcoholic options. Nurture is a beautiful space for dynamic energy. It's got something for everyone. If you're interested in participating as an artist, submit your art portfolio with your name, pronouns, and your website to the sapphicmarket at gmail.com. What are future plans? What do you hope to share with the community? I've partnered with a lot of local businesses like Awakening, Vanilla Kink, Mile High Queer Clubs, Social Clubs, and I'm really just looking at getting the word out to bring more diversity of artists because a lot of them are just a little bit nervous, right? To share that part of themselves and it's just such a beautiful space and I really want it to be known as such an accepting and open space. 
it is a specific criteria for what I'm looking for in terms of the style of art, but within that diversity is really, really highly sought after. So the goal of the future is to make it a little more broad. I'd like to bring it out to 30 vendors or so, but that does require me to build it up a little bit. I also want to try and keep it accessible when it comes to vendor fees and whatnot for our artists. So I try to create really reasonable fees and offer different payment options. We want to make it possible for the art community to exist while uplifting them at the same time. Is there anything you want readers to know or feel? I think all of us are afraid of rejection, and I think that part of the reason I started the market was so I can learn more about that process as well. I never want anyone to feel like they're not welcome, or if their art isn't chosen at that time, that they aren't welcome. I still want you in the space. I still want you to feel welcome in that community because it's a vibe, right? If you're feeling called to, it's because you're probably meant to be there and share in the energy and whether that's making a new connection through a different vendor or maybe a mutual business connection or a friend connection. Like there's all sorts of connections that can happen at this event and it's specifically made for women to meet other women as well. So it's like a great opportunity to meet someone that maybe likes what you like. You can follow Sapphic Market on Instagram at Sapphic Market. All the queer fashion and flamboyance at the 2024 San Francisco Ballet Opening Night Gala. The San Francisco Ballet ushered in a spectacular new era at their annual opening night gala held on January 24, 2024 at City Hall and the adjacent War Memorial Opera House. Signaling the beginning of a brand new season, the black tie event also earmarked significant changes at the 91-year-old dance company, presenting works by newly appointed creative director Tamara Rojo, formerly of the English National Ballet. The company was formerly led by Helga Thomason, who stepped down at the end of last season after a 35-year run as artistic director and principal choreographer. The winter rain acquiesced for the revelers as they arrived for a pre-reception located inside of San Francisco City Hall. After being photographed on the red carpet adorned by a stunning installation of futuristic blue lighting in the building's main thoroughfare, guests proceeded inside for an hour-long cocktail party highlighted by past glasses of champagne and caviar service stations scattered throughout the building. Predictably, a festive energy circulated throughout the room, with the historic Beaux-Art building's opulent surroundings highlighted by the many couture gowns and gorgeous outfits worn by the evening's attendees. San Francisco's queer community had an obvious presence, with many of the city's LGBTQ elite dressed to impress and happily mingling among notable figures like actresses Rita Moreno and Anna de la Guerra. RuPaul's Drag Race alum, Lady Camden, Senator Nancy Pelosi with Mr. Paul Pelosi, as well as Prima Ballerinas, Yuan Wan Tan, and Nikisha Fogo, amongst others. Post-reception, revelers were ushered into an opulent dinner following the bellows of a brigade of trumpeters leading guests into their respective seating areas. The event's theme, Pandora, Curiosity Unveiled, was evident in each respective space with lush arrangements of white floral creations adorning surfaces scattered with touches of crystal, chrome, and silver as far as the eye could see. After an hour-long multi-coached dinner, the trumpeters returned to usher the guests to the War Memorial Opera House for the evening's 2024 repertoire season preview presentation. 
assisted by uniformed officers from the San Francisco Police Department, an entire block of Van Ness Avenue in Midtown, San Francisco was blocked off between McAllister and Grove Streets, allowing guests their annual well-heeled parade of tuxedos and evening gowns directly across to the front steps of the performance hall. What seated an audible gasp could be heard throughout the audience when Tamara Rojo stepped onto the stage to make her inaugural speech. Adorned in draped gold lame and with a floor-length gown with matching headband bisecting her raven-colored hair, the 49-year-old timeless beauty originally hailing from Spain glistened beneath the stage lights. Speaking diplomatically about her newly anointed role, Rojo elegantly waxed poetic about her positive outlook for the future of the company with hints of what's to come in the brand new season. Opening up the program, previewing selections from the 2024 repertoire season with principal dancers Sasha De La Sola and Isaac Hernandez performing a stunning pas de deux with Swan Lake, Juana Park and Aaron Robinson in Balanchine's Tchaikovsky pas de deux, Nikisha Fogo and Wei Wang in Vaga Nova after Petipa's Diana and Action pas de deux, among other acts. The showcase was concluded with a breathtaking ensemble performance from the cast of Balanchine's A Midsummer Night's Dream with stunning custom costuming provided by the house of Christian Delacroix. Afterwards, the audience made their way back to City Hall, where the gala's after-party kicked off at 10 p.m. Moreover, despite it being a weeknight event, many had just arrived specifically for the post-performance after-party, where several local DJs had set up shop within various rooms to entertain the masses. In an adjoining ballroom, Bay Area band Wonder Bread 5 performed an energy-filled set of popular cover songs, packing the dance floor with champagne-toasting ballet patrons, finally letting loose for the first time this evening. In another room, a 10-foot-long candy bar glistened with various chocolates, jelly beans, gummy candies, and kettle corn. On other tables, what seemed like acres of hand-rolled sushi, charcuterie, skewered meats, and artisan breads were offered to anyone feeling peckish. Servers hovered around the crowd offering wine and sparkling water, with open bars neatly tucked away among the various rooms, allowing patrons to migrate from space to space with casual ease. In another corner, Drew Altizer Photography hosted a photo area allowing guests to take high school prom-style snapshots home with them as a souvenir. It was hard not to sit back and take in the entirety of the evening at that moment. As the flurry of Valentino gowns, Armani tuxedo jackets, Chanel handbags, and glittering diamond jewelry might be polarizing to some, but at the end of the day, everyone was there for the same reason, a common love and affection for the San Francisco Ballet. Anecdotally, many might also be surprised when informed of the large LBGTQ plus presence that evening, but the truth is, a true love of the arts breaks all barriers of demographics. Anyone with a passion for dance, music, fine food, and fashion would find themselves having a proverbial ball at the San Francisco Ballet opening night gala with an emphasis on fashion. The custom-made Christian Lacroix ensembles made for a Midsummer Night's Dream, for example, were some of the finest displays of wardrobe possibly ever made for a professional dance company. Blurring the lines between ballet attire and couture runway offerings, a ticket to the late winter, early spring production is well worth it just to witness the breathtakingly stunning costumes. 
Voltaire once said, appreciation is a wonderful thing. It makes what is excellent in others belong to us as well. And when it comes to the San Francisco Ballet, it would be foolish to think that one wouldn't be welcome or belong just because they don't fit the mold of certain stereotype or income bracket. In case you didn't know, the company is still mostly run by an enormous staff of dedicated volunteers, hailing from all walks of life, myself included, with an active membership in the Bravo Club, an acronym standing for Ballet Resource and Volunteer Organization. Finally, a reminder that ballet, dance, and the concept of art itself is something that belongs to everyone. If you're a true lover of performance arts, then the San Francisco Ballet is where you belong. Whether you're putting on your finest for the opening night black tie gala or demurely tucked away in a balcony seat for a weeknight performance, the beauty of the organization is that there truly is a place for everyone who wants to be involved and are all graciously welcomed. Quoting Mother Teresa, If we have no peace, it's because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. Utah opens first LGBTQ plus community health center. The first ever health clinic in Utah to focus on LGBTQ plus patients, UAF Legacy celebrated its grand opening in Salt Lake City last month. UAF Legacy Health was originally the Utah AIDS Foundation until a decision to expand last year. The center describes itself as dedicated to improving and transforming health care for LGBTQ plus community in Utah and its first queer community health center in the entire state. There, patients can receive mental and medical primary care, as well as HIV prevention and treatment and therapy services. The center is open for everyone, but CEO of Almer Afras emphasizes that the focus on the LGBTQ plus health care. We're seeing the need for LGBTQ competent care get bigger, and we're seeing these kinds of disparities in health and negative health outcomes get even larger. And so we knew we needed to pivot and shift to fill the gaps. The opening of the UAF Legacy Health couldn't be more timely or more needed. Just a couple of days before, Utah State Senate revised their laws on transgender bathroom access, barring trans people from using public or school bathrooms in alignment with their gender. Overall, last year was devastating for trans Utahns as the don't say gay bills and bans on gender affirming care for youth seemed to strangle people's options for representation and fair treatment. Afras and the team at UAF Legacy Health understand this. They expect to see much higher rates of individuals needing physical and especially mental health support in coming months. But Afras remains hopeful and determined. At the opening ceremony for the UAF Legacy, he says, We're all really hoping to be a beacon of hope whether people access our services or not. Just knowing that we exist and we're doing the work we do, that's critical. And that's what I hope to be able to really spread. Will DJ Pexi be Finland's first green gay president? 
The Finnish election is heating up as Pekka Havisto, Finland's former Minister of Foreign Affairs, goes head-to-head with former Prime Minister Alexander Stubb. Winner of the first round of the election, Havisto, belonging to the Green League Party, also ran for president in 2012 and 2018. However, in this year's election, he is running as an independent candidate while also promoting his DJ skills and cherishing his sexuality. You could see that people could never imagine that gay men could be elected, but this has been changing, he says. Havisto, alongside his partner, Antonio Flores, have been hosting campaigns at various nightclubs, gathering big names from the Finnish music scene to perform. He himself plays a set after under the name DJ Paxi. The couple's relationship has already positively influenced Finnish opinions on same-gender relationships. Havisto attributes the shift in public acceptance to the fact that they can see that somebody at the top of power can also represent these kinds of values. Not only does he bring support to the LGBTQ community, but his presidential agenda also focuses on bringing the country together to promote both internal and external safety. Issues like racism and hate speech and the mood in the population, how to keep Finland united is a big topic for the future, he says. On top of eliminating discrimination, his campaigning heavily centers around issues of national security. Finland, which recently abandoned years of military non-alignment by joining NATO in April, has redirected its attention to security cooperation with the U.S. and continued support towards military and humanitarian assistance in the Ukraine. If elected, Havisto's role as president will include facilitating foreign and security policy as well as commanding the Finnish military. He stresses the need for unity through the dissipation of hate speech against minority groups and a growth in tolerance, which will be the key to national security as foreign threats rise. Hopefully, this gay DJ will help turn airstrikes into open mics and drop some beats instead of bombs, all while embracing inclusivity in the political and cultural sectors. Title IX complaint filed against North Carolina's Don't Say Gay Bills. Last week, the Campaign for Southern Equality and LGBTQ plus rights advocacy group filed a federal Title IX complaint against two of North Carolina's Don't Say Gay bills, which they alleged are harmful towards LGBTQ plus students and youth. The complaint, which spanned over 100 pages, included testimonials from many students, parents, and teachers, and described how North Carolina's State Bill 49 and House Bill 574 violate the Title IX by assisting systematically marginalizing lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer students. State Bill 49, usually referred to as the Parents' Bill of Right or Don't Say Gay Bill, heavily censures discussion about LGBTQ plus topics in public schools, in particularly banning any instruction on gender identity or sexuality before the fifth grade. It also strengthens parental control over their children, requiring a parent's consent for a student to receive mental health counseling and mandating that a student's guardians are notified if the student chooses to go by a different name or pronouns at school. 
House Bill 574 targets transgender students in particular, banning trans athletes from participating in teams of their preferred gender. It specifically bans trans women athletes, stating athletic teams designated for females, women, or girls shall not be open to students of the male sex, based solely on the student's reproductive biology and genetics at birth. The complaint filed by the Campaign for Southern Equality alleges that these two bills create a hostile educational environment for queer and transgender youth and violate Title IX's obligations to provide every student with a safe and non-discriminatory environment. This is not the first time North Carolina's laws have been called under question under Title IX, though in this case the complaint is being made at the federal level against the entire state. So what happens from here? The U.S. government has made its stance of don't say gay laws clear in the past. President Biden has called them hateful and promised to fight against them. However, it's important to note that North Carolina is not the only state with such a bill. As over a dozen states have either passed or are looking to pass similar legislation, in addition, according to Craig White, a spokesman for the Campaign for Southern Equality, the Federal Office for Civil Rights, which handles Title IX cases had a considerable backlog of complaints, and we have no idea how long they may take to look at this particular case. LCB called out after raids on gay bars. A group of gay bar owners and LGBTQ plus advocates recently released a joint statement criticizing the Washington State Liquor and Cannabis Control Board, the LCB. This comes just days after the LCB conducted several unexpected raids on several historic gay bars in the Capitol Hill neighborhood. In late January, the LCB announced that it was joining forces with the Seattle Joint Enforcement Team. Immediately following this collaboration, at least four famous historic gay bars were surprised by midnight raids. Allegedly, multiple JET officers wielding flashlights entered the venues, frightening people away. They found at least one bartender with an exposed nipple as well as several patrons wearing jock straps and cited them for violating the LCB's lewd conduct rule. The jet agents also reportedly photographed several offending individuals without their consent. Washington State's lewd conduct law applies specifically to premises serving liquor and restricts certain body parts from being exposed by either staff or patrons. It should be noted that the state has almost no other laws regarding public nudity. A coalition of advocates for the raided bars, including several business owners, the founder of a Gets Better Project, and more, released a statement on January 29th, urging others to attend an LCB meeting to discuss altering the lewd conduct law. The statement reads, Our coalition consists of establishments that provide safe spaces for diverse and marginalized communities to express themselves through love, music, dance, and art. The recent raids have disrupted these operations and undermined trust and security within our community. It goes on to recall how police raids on LGBTQ plus businesses have historically been used to persecute marginalized communities and deprive them of safe spaces. In fact, one can help but to draw the ties to recent oppressive police raids on queer nightclubs in Moscow. The outcry over these raids reached the ears of the LCB, who were quick to respond. They expressed 
express their dismay at the alarm their actions caused the LGBTQ plus community. They also announced that they would suspend enforcement of the lewd conduct rule until they could review it and, if needed, vote to alter its terms. Seattle Mayor Bruce Harrell released a statement on the situation saying, under my administration, we will not target people or communities based on their sexuality. We understand concerns raised by the community based on perception of violating this principle. Thank you again for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aftersight.org or by calling 303-786-7777. Thank you again for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros.